We want this and that. We demand a share in that and most of that, some of this and f***ing all of that. So I jumped out of bed and all I had was me undies on and I walked out the front and... G'day, mate. <laughs> Let's put another shrimp on the barbie. So, anyway, this mo- I, I came out without my phone this morning. You're, I, I've you can't never, be without your phone. I've never felt so naked <laughs> in my life. Well, thankfully, you didn't turn up naked with your phone. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> where, would I, where would I hang it? <laughs> you know, hang. There's another Scottish word. Exactly. Yes. Be careful where you hang it in case it's on vibrate as well. A <laughs> couple of years ago. Actually, we, we did a really stupid thing, and it probably is six, seven years ago. New Year's Eve, for some strange reason, we decided, let's not take our phones. Right. And then you got home and there was 22,000 messages. Happy well, we, New Year. No, we got home <laughs> after walking about two and a half hours, unable to phone a cab. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. What, what a that's, stupid idea. What that a was. stupid idea. Yeah, like, New Year's Eve, hug me, there's another... Hug money. Hug money. That's it. That tears me saying New Year's Eve. I know. That's what the Australianism. Of, that's it. You've 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 slipped into the dark side. Oh. Already. That's terrible. You know, isn't how it? long have you been here? Too long, too, clearly. clearly. I'm not saying hug money. Hug money. Yeah. <laughs> no, but yeah, I came out without my phone and I got in the car, you know, and I I don't use my phone in the car and I've got a, my car kind of takes over the phone so you can't receive messages i know because it sends an automatic text message saying leave me alone i'm driving it does it's a wonderful car it's great, I'm, yeah. I'm a lucky man anyway so maybe if we mention that we might get sponsored by two new cars exactly thank you land rover yes tesla and ferrari <laughs> <laughs> we wish <laughs> well hey, episode four episode four who would have thought who would have thunk we it? would have lasted four episodes i know you know, and and the uh, the response has been fantastic. It's been really good, actually. So thanks to everybody for yeah. for listening. You know, and, the uh, Facebook page has gone crazy. We've yep. got four likes, <laughs> one for each episode. <laughs> That's my mum. <laughs> four times, <laughs> Mrs. Mitchell. Will you fuck off? Yeah. <laughs> There's a first. Yeah, well done. Uh, yeah. <laughs> now, episode four is a bit of a first, as in. Not number one, but we're going to have a guest. We're going to have a guest. Yes. It must be somebody really special to make the grade to to get onto Doon Under. Oh, no. Jeez. That's, uh, and they're paying them a fortune as well, I believe. An That's... awful lot of beer. Um, money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, talking about beer, we can see him because he's on the Skype there or the Microsoft Teams. And, uh, well, we're two Scotsmen doing under. Aye. I was trying to think of a good way of describing well, it. Well, he's, he's a Scotsman up over. Up and over. That's, there you go. That's, That's what I came it. up with. Yeah. Well done. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, welcome to Doon Under. The, I'll give him a quick intro off the top of my head. So, Blues and Roots Radio, we talked about on episode one of my involvement in that. Uh, our guest is the owner of Blues and Roots Radio, along with his wife, Anne. Um, he's also the owner of the FEA Media 
group of companies, which has uh, right. been expanding and expanding. They do websites. Or is it? Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> they do websites and uh, they uh, they do PR work for artists on yeah. the Boreal PR. They do uh, brilliant websites. They've actually, they do actually. Yeah, they did the Claymore. Website. If you go to claymore.org, yeah. you'll see one of uh, our guests websites from uh, FEA Media. And uh, one of the things we're going to talk about today is a brand new venture, which is uh, an awesome online magazine called The Sound Cafe. Right. So we're going to delve into that and we're going to say hello. Hello. Oh, no, hang on, we're on the wrong... Uh, let me just set up this. Yes, he's very technically inept. Yes. Mr. Mitchell. <laughs> As I said, two Scotsmen from down under and now a Scotsman from up and over. Stevie Connor, welcome to Dune Under. Well, a great honour, guys. Thank you very much there for having is. me on this awesome podcast, Dune Under. Yeah. Oh, the crowd's gone mad here. I to hear them. <laughs> How are you, pal? I'm, I'm very well, and uh, I've been listening to the last uh, couple of podcasts that you guys have been doing, and I've uh, I've been wetting my pants, actually, because that's <laughs> <laughs> a being myself, listening to uh, talk, talk of submarine uh, adventures and stuff like that. Oh, Amazing. yes. Yes. I've got way more <laughs> submarine stories for, for future episodes. <laughs> well, it's good to hear, and it's good to see. What time is it? To you? Now, you're, I should have said you're in Toronto, in Canada. That's right, and you said it like a true tor- Torontonian. Canada, eh? Is that how you would say a Torontonian? Yes, and uh, people, you know people are from Toronto if they say Toronto, Toronto. and if you're not from Toronto, like I am, yeah. you say Toronto. Yes. So okay. you can tell straight away if, they, if anybody's from the city or not. Yes, that's like New Orleans, isn't it? New Orleans. New Orleans, yeah. if you've been, and yeah. New Orleans, if you haven't. If you haven't been, yet. yeah. Yeah. Yeah, good stuff, mate. Now, we said you're a Scotsman who's uh, travelled a bit similar to yourself, so we'll cover off a bit of the journey, and I'm going to do my, my interview thing just to get us going, um, and then Willie will take over as usual. <laughs> <laughs> but you're originally from Embra. I know, I am, so you got... Glasgow, Dundee, and now Embra. Well, now, I've got a question. Yeah, I was... I've got a question before you jump in. If I'm a Dundonian, Willie's a Glaswegian, what does that make you? Actually, I don't think there is a word for an Edinburgh person. There is. Well, there's probably quite, there's probably quite a few from Glasgow. <laughs> <laughs> That's not true. I've got a lot of friends in Edinburgh, and most of them are in jails. <laughs> <laughs> Ex-politicians. That's, that's it, aye. <laughs> well, all I could come up with was an Edinburgher. An Edinburgh, An Edinburghonian. <laughs> Edinburghonian. It's strange, isn't it? Because you've got a Glaswegian, Dundonian, yeah. Aberdonian, but yeah. Edinburgh doesn't have a, a particular tag, I don't think. No. No, it, it is daft, isn't it? You it's, think? Well, maybe, maybe you've been away from Edinburgh that long, you just kind of remember, Stevie. <laughs> You know. <laughs> so how long, how long have you been in Canada? Uh, this is my eleventh year, 11th uh, year, coming up next month. So I, well, I'm part of the journey. I, I met my wife when I lived in a little village called West Linton, which is about a forty-minute drive south of Edinburgh. Right. And uh, I, I used to frequent the local hostelry, um, and my wife Anne, her cousin actually owned a bed and breakfast, a hotel, restaurant kind of thing. Right. The Gordon Arms, a great place in West Linton. And so uh, I met her through her cousin, who I had known for years. And uh, the rest is history, as they say. Uh, we met, uh, we became friends for 
three or four years, and then I started coming over here on vacation holidays, that is in Scotland. Right. And uh, vacation, yeah, we just, no. <laughs> of Canada, <laughs> eh? <laughs> um, and yeah, that's even worse than my that, New Year's uh, Eve, isn't it? Sorry, uh, Stevie, gone. <laughs> there, there was just there was a lot of travelling back and forward, and we decided just to. Um, it was Make it me official. being a, a little bit tight, and uh, didn't want to spend the money on the airfares all the time. So we decided to we'd have to pick a country to stay in, and there was more opportunity here, and right. I think that's why a lot of people leave Scotland. Uh, to go to Australia or US or Canada is because there seems to be more opportunity uh, in all sorts of different fields and especially in music that I was involved in. So, right. yeah, that's that's what brought me here. That's a good lead in music. So that's yeah. uh, something else we all have in common, albeit mine, for a very, very short time. Uh, but Stevie, uh, a champion piper. A world champion a world at one champion. point, but you know. Yeah. Whistle player, well, guitar player, musician, recorded artist with his album Footprints. Brilliant. Yes. Yep. And, yeah, and that was actually when you when you first arrived in Canada. Uh, that sounds like a run break song, doesn't it? When I arrived in Canada. Canada yes. yes. Did Did you go there with the intention of being a musician or just just no, being a actually, married man? It, it was complete reverse. I decided that I was. Well, you know yourself, music consumes your life, and I had been involved in pipe bands and rock bands and folk bands. Um, I'd, I have recorded my, a, a solo album, but I've contributed to probably about 28 albums with different bands and things yeah. like that as a session musician. So right. it just took up my whole life. And when Anne and I decided to, to get married and make a go of it, I said to her, if I come over to Canada, we're going to leave the music stuff, I'll get a job and we'll settle down and we'll have a good life. But right. when, I, when I moved here, I couldn't work for 18 months because I was going through the process of immigration. Aye. To become a what they call a landed immigrant, okay. um, so I'm a permanent resident, um, and so I, I couldn't work. I couldn't get a permit for eighteen months. But I found out that if I went busking across the street, uh, we've got a lovely marina, a promenade, and all that sort of stuff—a walkway, boardwalk they call it here. Um, if I busked, I didn't need a permit to busk. Okay. So I got. I got the guitar and pipes out and started busking <laughs> at, the, at the weekends, and I was making a thousand dollars a week. Good God! So, there you go. You know, that's all right, isn't it? I, was, I know. See, that was people trying to get them to stop, stop playing stop the pipes. Stop playing them bloody pipes! <laughs> Here's twenty <laughs> bucks. <laughs> Save us. <laughs> There's a strong connection, I think, between uh, Canada and Scotland. You know, a lot, oh, a lot of Scots oh. went to Canada. and it's the East Coast, you know, Nova Scotia. And, yeah, and, you know, strong Celtic sort of connection. Very much. Yeah. The music still, I think, Absolutely, the East Coast. yeah, yeah. Beautiful part of the world. Yeah. The, the more to the East Coast you go, you've got uh, Cape Breton Island, mm. which uh, a lot of settlers went there, and there's a, a place called Pictou County where the Hector first landed with the first wave of Scottish immigrants that were cleared Right. from the lands uh, back home in the 1700s and 1800s. So, yeah, there was a, quite a few waves of Scots settlers came over. But what I love probably, is Neil and I have spoken about this uh, in the past, that Melbourne is very similar to Toronto in many ways. And uh, one of the ways that I love the, the Toronto as a city is the fact that it's so multicultural. And right. you can go, go to different parts of the city and, and you know, cuisine, music, anything the yeah. apps are incredible from all over the place you know 
Well, I think Canada, I, I, I've got a lot of mates who are uh, musicians in Canada, yourself included, and, and to me, the Canadian government really get behind the arts and music and a lot more than a lot of other nations should and could. You know, I mean, oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. No, look, Australia doesn't do too bad, depending on who's in power, I think. But I, I find a lot of similarities between Australia and Canada, and not just music, but mm. in in politics and in in the way. I don't know. I think I think it's even a similar people. We, Stevie and I talk on a regular basis every week, pretty much. Right. And a lot of things that happen here in Australia is either mirrored one way or the other way with Canada. Right. And, and they do have a massive uh, musician swap partnership yes. going across the festivals, right? Yeah. That's uh, Port I Fairy mean, you mentioned Cape anyway. Breton. Uh, the Celtic Colours Festival is amazing. Uh, yeah, you exactly. Know, very, yeah. very well-known and, and yeah. good Celtic music festival. And I'm sure there's many others. Yeah, yeah there's, there's quite a few all, all across. Um, and... Uh, and poor credit in particular, I think that's why I settled here and we didn't move elsewhere because, you know, we've had offers to go and move to different parts of Ontario and, and stuff like that. But we've remained here because, well, we've got a, a beautiful view of the city. We're right on the lake shore at Lake Ontario and we overlook a marina. But when I first landed here, 42% of the population were either Irish or Scots. Right. And <laughs> the, whole, the building that I live in literally... When I came here, there was about seventy percent were all Scottish people. Right. So it was like it was and like you, you uh, know well, moved no, in because no. you started playing your <laughs> pipes. <laughs> <laughs> that could be the case, right? Yeah. So it, it was very easy for me to settle in, and uh, I mean, it, <laughs> I don't know you, you guys. You know, I've listened to your journey. It's been quite interesting actually listening to you two uh, talk about your separate journeys and how you ended up in Australia. I've always wanted to, to travel, and probably you guys are the same. You know, I didn't even want to stay in a village. And a funny story I'll, I'll relate to you is I went back after being in Canada for three years because I couldn't go home because of the status of my immigration. I couldn't yeah. leave the country right, yeah, or yeah, else I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't have got back in again. So um, after three years, I went back to visit my mum and dad, and I went into the hotel where Anne's cousin used to run. It had changed hands. And as I walked through the door, there was three guys sitting at the bar and one of them looked up, his name was Dod, which is George in any other language. Dodie. Big Dod. This guy uh, looked up and he went, how's it going Stevie? I said, not bad. He said, not seen you for a while. And I said, about, about three years. And he said, well, where have you been? I said, I went to Canada. Oh, I see you did. You doing all right? I need bother if you want a pint. <laughs> you know, I could I could relate the very same story. Oh, the same people. I, I was away nearly twenty years. Yep. And I went went back to Glasgow. Walked into my dad's. It was my dad's pub, but I used to go there as well with the station bar. And uh, a couple of guys at the bar looked up and says, "Oh, Willie, how are you going? <laughs> <laughs> Haven't saw you in a wee while." Yeah. And I says, "No." He says, "Where have you been?" I say, "Australia." How long have you been there? I say, so uh, "Over twenty, 20 years." years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, exactly the same. Uh -huh. Same here. I'd, 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 you know, I'd, I'd be in Saudi Arabia for a year, uh, walk in the pub, and everybody's like, "Oh, hey, Neil, how's it going?" Yeah, not bad. Yeah, it's just like <laughs> you'd never been away. Because never. Uh. And the thing that gets me is they're sat in the same seats, drinking the same beer, yep. talking the same shite. <laughs> They've always, you know. <laughs> and I think where's your sense of adventure, you know? And some people exactly. have it, 
and some people don't. They're they're just happy with what they've got, which is great, you know. If that's yeah. that's, so they're just happy to sit there, and and talk about their football team and talk about you know the neighbour next door yep. and all the rest of it and the cost of beer going up and whereas we've all had that sense of adventure and wanderlust and and wanted to do things and and yeah, and, true. You know. That reminds me of the the story that Sean Connery tells. Maybe Billy Connolly tells it about him. When he's uh, he leaves Edinburgh, his name is Tommy, right? Tommy right. Connery, I guess. Yeah. And he he went away and he'd done two or three James Bond films, and then after so yeah. many years, he walks in the pub, and the old guy says to him, "Oh, Tommy, says, how are you?" He says, "Oh, I'm very good." He says, "Are you working?" <laughs> <laughs> what have you been up to? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you working? And he, pull, he pulls Actually, out his gun um, and shoots him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I. I used to play in a band back home called Highlander. We were a like a, a rock band, tried to be a Celtic rock band, <laughs> and uh, we we did a, a tour like a marquee tour of Scotland. So it involved a big tent in Kirkcaldy right. and uh, <laughs> opening the stuff. Like Kirkcaldy that. That sounds like the <laughs> town hall in Kirkcaldy. <laughs> <laughs> what's that, what's that just, smell? Is that linoleum? Just turn left at the tent. And <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Stevie. <laughs> well, what we did was. Um, it was a whole concept album that was based around um, the, the Battle of Bannockburn and all that sort of stuff, you know. <laughs> it was very 70s and 80s rock. Right. But they wanted somebody to narrate the story as it was going along, and then the band played. It was a, quite a cool production. And we actually got Neil Connery, Sean Connery's brother, to do the narration. Right. And he, he came on tour with us, and Isla Sinclair, you know, that well-known generation game folk yeah. singer from yeah. Ayrshire. Yeah. Yeah. From Rossi. There's one person listening to this yeah. going, I know who Isla Sinclair is. Yeah. <laughs> well, she, she came on tour with us and opened uh, for us. She had an album coming out at the time. But the interesting thing, Neil, uh, we spent a couple of weeks with Neil before it, going through all the stuff, we were at his house and all that. And he sounds exactly like Sean Connery. So he's got the wee, looks... wee lisp or, you know, yes, money, money <laughs> And he actually did, used to do voiceovers for the radio to sound like Sean and do adverts and stuff. All oh, right. Uh, Why not? Right, so Cashing in his cult. Cashing in on his... Cash off his brother, right? Oh, my favourite um, Sean Connery thing was when he was... I think he was getting awarded at, like, at the BAFTAs or something and Billy Connolly was doing the introduction... And you know, and Connolly gets up and says he was the bastard son of Sean Connery in real life, you know, and <laughs> and he introduced him as his daddy, and he got him to come up, and the first thing Connery says, "Wait till I get you home," <laughs> <laughs> which is a very Scottish thing. That is very, yeah. Yeah. You, you'll get yours. <laughs> I'll deal with you later. <laughs> yeah. So I, it's, uh, it's an interesting thing. I didn't want to be one of those guys sitting at the bar. Uh, for 20 years waiting on somebody coming in that had been working in Australia or Canada. I wanted to be the person that went out there and, and did you know, it. tried to, yeah. Mm. And I, I suppose I've always had that in me. I don't know. I, I lived in England for 10 years. I went back to Scotland for four. Couldn't really settle down. Couldn't get a good job that I wanted because there yeah. was no opportunity. And I thought, you know what? Yeah. Anne said to me, shall we, you know, you want to come out to Canada? And I said, you know, I, I probably would. So uh, it's the best thing I ever did. Uh, well, yeah, I agree. Us, you know, but I think I mean, we, we've got that in common. I think opportunity and probably working opportunity is. Yeah, I don't what know we, if it was opportunity for me. I, I never thought of Scotland as an an opportunity uh, void place. Yeah. 
Yeah. You know, because I was never out of work. I could always find a job. You know, there it was plenty. For me, there was always plenty to do. I, it was probably, I, I don't, it was politics that made me leave Scotland. <laughs> you know, I couldn't stand Maggie Thatcher. So, and it was all during that time. And I just, I'd had yeah. enough. And I, I thought, I'll get myself in trouble if I don't leave. So I left. <laughs> yeah. No, well, I, I left Scotland during the Thatcher times as well and I moved uh, to England and moved with family to England and, and that was yeah <laughs> for my sins <laughs> no but that purely was opportunity in the Thatcher uh, years the unemployment was was massive it was you and know. if you went to England you could yeah. find a job yeah mm. not for sure and it just yeah. uh, I got the travel bug from there right. I guess but you you could have been one of Stevie's neighbours here in the 70% of Scottish and Irish people well, that's it. if I mean, they'd have responded to your application I applied for Canada at the same time as Australia and I'm still waiting on my response from Canada. <laughs> <laughs> I think you can write that one off. I too. think, I think yeah, I don't know if I'm on the list anymore. <laughs> it's a strange thing. I had an opportunity, because I used to play with the, the Lothian Borders Police Pipe Band. Right. Um, it's like a, a grade one world championship band. And we used to do a lot of tours because we were one of the only full-time bands, uh, pipe bands in Scotland. So any jobs that came in for tours abroad, we ourselves in the Glasgow Police, Strathclyde Police, would be the first two bands that anybody went for. Right. Um, and so I ended up doing a tour in Nova Scotia and Cape Breton for about three weeks when I was in my 20s. Okay. And I was actually offered a job when I was here. Somebody asked me if I would like to work at the piping college to come across and instruct. So when I went back to Scotland, I kind of thought about it. I was, I was just young at the time. And I decided not to, but one yeah. of my pals did, and he ended up emigrating to here in his yeah. 20s. And a, another strange thing, a good pal of mine, Stephen Stanley, who played with the police band, we were offered, I was again offered a job to come to Australia to work for the Western Australian Police as a piping instructor. Yeah, they, they bring and, a lot uh, of people out. Mm. So I, I, I went through all the application, and right at the last minute, I took cold feet and decided, nah, I didn't want to go. And Stevie went, and he's been out there ever since, and he's got a, a great life. He's got a family, yeah. you know, Australian family and all that. And I think it's it's difficult, it's difficult or different for me. I could go back to Scotland at any time, but I think if somebody comes here when they're young and they have a family, it becomes really difficult for them to then go back home if they wanted to because their family then become Canadian. Exactly. And yeah. so, you know, if you've got a couple of kids, you're not going to leave your kids in Australia and go back to Scotland, are you? Well, I do. <laughs> well, that's true. That's true. Yeah. Well, I, my kids you... are my kids are Scotties, as we call yes. them. Yes. So they're to me they're more Scottish than Australian, you know, uh, which is weird. Uh, and even even their friends, I've always thought they've had funny accents, and they, <laughs> you know, they can be full on Scottish. Yeah. You know, I, I remember, you know, when my uh, my son. Sean was, uh, uh, he probably was about six or seven, you know, and he was in having his shower, and it was so funny. We, uh, we were in the lounge room, Catherine and I, and I think the neighbour was in, we were chatting away, and, and Sean shouts from the shower, I can't turn the water off! <laughs> <laughs> and the neighbour says, have you got Scottish relatives visiting? And I says, no, it's, it's Sean. <laughs> Six years old. Six years old. Yeah. Full on Scottish. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, as, well, yeah, he's got a good accent, I'm Sean. I'm quite lucky because Anne, 
Anne's mum's Scottish. She comes from Lone Heat, just outside <laughs> Edinburgh. And she came to Canada when she was about 24. She came over with a doctor. She was in service. She was a nanny. Right. And she went to Saskatoon and then came to Toronto. So Anne's been brought up kind of like a Scottish person. Uh, so it was a, a lot easier for me to, you know, just get into the way of things in Canada just by her guidance. You know, you, you can't say that. You're Scottish. No. You can't say that in Canada. Right. You can't be honest. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You can't be sarcastic. <laughs> I did I did a new button for us for Stevie coming on. And it, did you? Uh, yes. It's called the Edinburgh button. Okay. The, the Edinburgh button. So every time he mentions Edinburgh, I'm going to hit this one. Now, Embry people know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, surely they don't still have the one o'clock gun, do they? They do. Aye, absolutely. No absolutely. Way. Do they? Yeah. Doesn't, that, doesn't that terrify people these days? Like, no, Jesus uh, Christ, what you, the hell is that? You, you go up to Edinburgh, the, the place is packed, everybody waiting on the gun going off at one o'clock. And no matter where you are in Edinburgh, is well, it, you hear this it. Is right. You hear it and yeah. you know, oh, it's one o'clock, you know. <laughs> It's, uh, I should be in the pub for lunch. It. <laughs> it's very true. But people, uh, you, you see people walking along the streets when the gun goes off. They look at their watches, and yeah. uh, that's just uh, the local people look at their watches, and the other people go, "Jesus, what, yeah. what was that?" <laughs> people from Northern Ireland diving, exactly. diving behind recovered. cars and yeah. stuff. <laughs> so Edinburgh people can't tell the time. That's, that's, that's it, what it yeah. is. Actually, I had that's I had friends who. <laughs> Who came out from from uh, the north of Ireland to uh, to live in Australia, and uh, and we were they came they came to see the band one night we were playing uh, we were playing in the city, and the gig was all finished and we came out and a car drove past and backfired yeah and they'd only been in Australia maybe four or five the two of them actually were on the ground flat on the ground oh, within really? seconds. And it just shows you, you oh. know, imagine living with that. Oh, the troubles in Northern Ireland were pretty bad, weren't they? You know. You know. No, I make a joke about it well, now. But and we're looking at them going, how can they both trip at the same time? You know? <laughs> <laughs> the, la the last time we were, well, was it the last time we were together? Remember, we were in uh, Brittany. Mm. Uh, Claymore were there. We were at the yes, we Inter-Celtic Festival. We, we have all met each other, I should confirm. Well, he's mm. got a uh, big, heavy involvement in that. When we were down there, <laughs> I'll tell you, I went, we were sharing a, like a dorm, a couple of dorms, and there was a, a shared bathroom between Neil and his wife and me and my wife. Mm. So there was, we went back after the festival, sitting and have a couple of glasses of wine. <laughs> Windows were open, yeah. and I went to the washroom toilet in Scotland. I went to the toilet, and as this bang went off, and I came through, and these guys were on the floor, and I'm like, <laughs> what's going on? He said, <laughs> and it was during the time. It That's was during true. the time of when they had that terrorist attack in Nice. Right. Yeah. And so, obviously, you know, that was in the back of everybody's mind. And I come through, and I was like, "What are you doing?" <laughs> and they said, there, "There's a big bang." I said, "It's a fireworks, fireworks the festival." The it was a fireworks. Yeah. 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 But there was no lights or anything. It was just you all just this couldn't bang, see bang, them. Bang, yeah, bang, yeah, bang. yeah. We couldn't see them. And it, 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 look, it was it. And at the time, it was it was pretty tense in France when we were there in 2016. They just had the attack. The army were on the streets, and it wasn't a terrifying moment. It was just very unsettling, and you know that. And that was and a genuine no, question about the one o'clock gun. I mean, are uh, they still doing it? And the yeah, they is are. Yes. Yeah. yeah, you know, I guess it's a yeah. throwback to Mons Meg, isn't it? The big cannon. Yeah. They probably used to fire that. I don't know if that was still fireable, um, but I'm not really sure of the history. I know it's uh, it's set off because of Leith is a a dock Edinburgh is a like a port city. 
So the gun was originally set off so that the people in the port knew the time and all that sort of stuff. Right. So that's where the tra- tradition came Maybe from. Maybe all the workers uh, working in the, in the shipyards or whatever it was there, yeah. But uh, no, I'm making light of the you know that uh, particular incident, but it must be terrifying for people that you know yeah. go through those experiences and uh, something like that happens and it's a natural reaction because wherever they came from, that's what you had to do because you weren't sure. You know? Yeah, well, as Neil said, I mean, and and as you, I'm quite heavily involved with that festival, as you know, and I go every year, and um, which is a great honour and privilege for me but uh and now like most festivals around the world not only have we got covid to contend with and it's cancelled everything for the moment yeah but uh insurance just to run an event you know because of terrorism and all that sort of stuff like the the insurance bill for the festival intercelltic where nearly a million people come eight hundred and forty thousand people come to this thing, and then the army had to come in and ten times the amount of police. Somebody has to pay for that, you know. They don't they yeah. don't just do it for nothing. Nope. So the police officers are all on overtime, and the festival's paying for all that, and and then the insurance companies get involved. Dun dun dun, you know, yeah. and your public liability insurance goes through the roof, you know. So I can't imagine what it's going to be like with f- post festivals post COVID. Yeah, although insurance companies just shake their hands at that and say, "Oh, it's an act of God," you know, whatever the hell that is. <laughs> I think that's what they've done, isn't it? Nah. you know. Oh, we'll, we'll, we'll quickly cover off on COVID because it's. Uh, well, we've had a wee bit of bad news, not bad news here, but well, it is. But uh, we'll ask you about Canada, Stevie. How's uh, how's Toronto coping in COVID times? Or how are you uh, coping? It, it's doing okay. Um, personally, we didn't see ourselves going out to any live events, music-wise, for a, a good six months. We just won't be doing it. No. Because it's, it's not under control anywhere. It is still sitting there under the surface, even although we're, we're starting to... The, the curve has been flattened up yeah. here. But when you look at what's happening south of the border, you just think, no, I mean, I'm not going anywhere. Yeah. yeah. No, that's, yeah, that is right. You, you guys are doing pretty well. And, and of course, we were doing really well up until a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, no, we've had a, a major spike in, in parts of Melbourne. So yeah, they've started locking down specific postcodes and suburbs, you know, to try and... Well, we're all going back into lockdown, yeah. for sure. Our numbers went from being two and four per day, and for the last three weeks, it's, it's been, been 60, 70. Yeah. We were at over 100 yesterday. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and that's a lot of testing that's been... I actually did get a COVID test. Did you? I must confess. Right. Yeah, I had a, a sort of three degree of separation. Me and Mrs. Mitch uh, had to go and get a test just the other day. Okay, and, which was no fun whatsoever. The two and hours. the results were well. Well, actually, sorry to tell you, Willie. No, nah, <laughs> it, it was a positive negative. <laughs> but uh, I told yeah. you not to kiss me. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it was. Uh, it wasn't as bad as what people say. That's. Uh, it's not the no, the, it's the not nicest me. thing having the cotton bud shoved up to the top of your brain. But uh, yeah. Ah, not not too bad. Not well, too actually, bad. I think they've got they're rolling out the new test now, which is a lot easier as well. And I think we should we shouldn't put people off getting tested. Definitely not. It wasn't that you know, bad. It's, it, people have said, "Oh, it's it's not." It's you really know, not. and and if you think you need a test or you think you don't need a test, but get, get one a test. anyway. Get a test. Yep. 
You know, mm. it's not going to kill you. They're not stealing your DNA and, no. you know, all this nonsense that people have been <laughs> talking about. It's not COVID, it's 5G. It's 5G, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that was pretty interesting. But like, like I say, we're, the rest of Australia is holding on to its great numbers. And hopefully we can get on top of it here. And it's, uh, I had Absolutely. a good description the other day. It's uh, COVID-19 in Australia is a little bit like a Spice Girls reunion. <laughs> that bloody Victoria has been a pain in the ass. I, guess so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I liked that. I can't remember yeah. who said that. That's a good one. There you go. That's my joke of the day. That's your joke of the day. No, I introduced Stevie um, and all the things that he's in. We'll, we'll get to the, the sound cafe and other things in a minute. But what you didn't know was, in fact, I'll play you a sound bite from a couple of weeks ago, shall we? Yes. Have a listen. Yeah. yeah. So maybe we should do an episode on poetry. No. <laughs> Clearly not. Clearly not. A, my only other one is upon a hill there's still a ducat. No, they're new because somebody took it. <laughs> no, a ducat for those of you who don't yeah. know. We're going to use a lot of Scottish words in the podcast. We'll yeah, yeah, we'll not, try. not all the F words. No, and not only just swear words. <laughs> a ducat is a place where a pigeon fancier <laughs> in Glasgow would keep his pigeons. So we call them doos in Glasgow, or in Scotland, I guess, yep. you doos. Is a pigeon. I don't know where it came from. I need to look that up. Right. Now, there you go. We need to look up the word too. You'll you'll never guess who's a bit of a do expert. Oh, my God. (laughs) Stevie Connor, you you sheep in wolves' clothing. (laughs) (laughs) You you duke it in wolves' clothing. (laughs) It just so happens. I had uncles who were pigeon fanciers and used to fly pigeons. Right. Can I just clarify? As soon as we did that episode... He was all over it. He'd, was got, he? he'd got his flat cap on, he'd got his overcoat right. on, and he was going, a bucket, Doos, eh? a bucket full of corn. Doos. <laughs> go, on, go on, Mr. Do. <laughs> Tell us all about it. How it's, did... an in, it's an interesting subject. <laughs> Duke it comes from dove, dovecoat. Uh, oh, right, is, yeah. So, Scottish word for dovecoat is duke it. And it originates. I'm going to tell you this to you. You're going to go, oh my God, lie down for half an hour. <laughs> originated in Egypt. Um, they used to use pigeon poo for fertilizer for their fields. Right. And they were also a delicacy as well. Doves and pigeons were uh, cooked and eaten by them. I and used, then I used to from shoot Egypt, they went into. Uh, Rome because the, you know the, the Romans conquered half the world and they took the pigeons and the doves with them to Rome and they became big pigeon fanciers and when they went uh, west and started conquering Europe they took them into France and from France they came into uh, north of England actually is a big pigeon fanciers haven and so is Scotland right. and uh, yeah so that's where the word ducat comes from right. and I used to live Two blocks in a place called Kerstorfin, Kerstorfine in Edinburgh, on the west side. It's on the airport side of the city. And hang on, hang on a second. Where was that? Of... So, where did you live? Oh, uh, in Edinburgh. Edinburgh. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, two, two. How was that for a rehearsal? Where, <laughs> two streets up from where our house was was a place called Dovecote Road or Ducat Road, and there was a big Ducat that was made in the 18th century, and right. it's still there at the bottom of somebody's garden. So uh, I that's, a, that's where Ducat comes from. Right, just across the road from me, where I lived in, in Glasgow, in uh, Maryhill, there was a big expanse of uh, 
uh, open ground, spare ground, as we call spare it. Spare ground. <laughs> spare ground. And there was f- at least five or six ducats there, you know, that people had built over the years. And yeah. All these guys from across the other side of the Nolly, which is the canal. Oh, <laughs> hey, the words are just flowing out So now. the fourth and Clyde Canal <laughs> was just opposite. I need a Glasgow button. So you've got a wonderful, you know, marina and, and boardwalk. We had a stinky old canal <laughs> with dead bodies in it. <laughs> and on the other side of the canal... Uh, was this big bit of spare ground covered in uh, ducats? So I, I used to see the pigeon fanciers, and uh, but I never got into it myself. Well, my uh, my dad's uncle, so he'd be my great uncle, had a like a pigeon coop at the bottom of his garden. He had a great big garden, and he lived in a place called Birkenside, which is in Gorebridge, uh, near Newton Grange. Right. Uh, in fact, when I was a kid. Uh, we used to go out there on holidays. Our, our holidays went from Edinburgh to Newton Grange, spent two weeks at my uncle's <laughs> house. And my big day out was to go to the, the baths, the swimming pool at uh, New Battle, which was near Newton Grange. Uh, and I got on the bus for the first time, this wee laddie from Edinburgh, I think I was about uh, 12 years old. And the bus conductor came up. At that time, we had bus conductors. And they gave right. you your ticket, you know, you paid them however much it and was. And the wee coin and dispensers <laughs> on their belt and all that. That's, it, that's right, right. I, and they, they used to wind it and the ticket would pop out and they'd gear it and they'd give them the money. And uh, he said to me, where, where are you going, son? And I said, I'm going to the baths at Newton Grange. And he went, oh, I don't know where that is. And I didn't care any different. I said, oh, well, I must be on the wrong bus. He says, oh, you mean knitting, son? And I'm like, knitting? <laughs> my mum does knitting, but I'm, yeah. I'm going at the baths at Newton Grange's. But that's what the locals called Newton Grange. called it knitting. 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 So there's another Scottish word. Yeah. <laughs> and we're good at shortening things and making them sound completely illegible and different to what they actually are. What was the, what was the word that you, you came up with last week after the, after the, the podcast? For a, it was a drain, wasn't it? Oh, a stank. See, a stank. A stank. Ours in Dundee is a, is a cundy. Well, we used to call it a gundy in Edinburgh. A gundy. Was, a gundy. No, it was definitely cundy in, 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 in Dundee. Dundee. And in Glasgow, it was a stank. So, Well, another like a completely disinteresting fact is we used to go on holiday as well. <laughs> this this podcast is full of disinteresting facts, <laughs> <laughs> like, like, like ducats and stuff. <laughs> and submarine toilet shit stories. <laughs> <laughs> my family are all kind of, my great-grandfather, great-grandmother came from Fraserburgh, and they have a completely different language up there called the Broch, and it is, uh, it is unintelligible <laughs> even to a Scots person. And we used to go to a place near Bucky called Findochty. Now, when we were driving up there for the first time, I remember being in the car with my old man, he rolls down the window because we couldn't find Findochty, and... He rolls it down, local comes up, says, well, what are you trying to find? And he says, I'm trying to play, find a place called Findochty. And he says, oh, no, no, you mean Finecti? <laughs> completely different. Uh, but it was the same place to a local. So anyway, right. completely just Same places. Sounds like Gaelic, you know, where the, the, there's a lot of Ds in the language and none of them are pronounced. Yeah, if you haven't <laughs> got a, any the slightest knowledge of Gaelic, good luck looking at a Gaelic word and trying to pronounce it, right? Exactly. You, yeah. you can't. No, you can't. Sorry, I didn't mean to call you that. Yeah. <laughs> hey! Hey! <laughs> Hang on. There you go. <laughs> That's enough of my crap jokes for the day. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. So, Stevie, the let's talk about the Sound Cafe, because this is a brand new 
um, venture under the, the Blues and Roots Radio and FEA Media um, banner, if you like. So, uh, t- well, tell us, you tell us about it. Yeah, well, it all kind of kicked off with the, with the COVID thing in March where, you know, we wondered how we could help artists further uh, through, because you know, we, we did the radio uh, we've got over 50 shows from around the world that broadcast independent artists so we were trying to think how we could further help the artists and I had always had it in the back of my mind uh, that I would like to do a magazine type thing and we used to do a news page on Blues Roots Radio years ago when we first started about 8 years ago Yeah. and I kind of thought I'd like to develop that and because of our experience in building websites and uh, we had a couple of websites sitting vacant we they're in the background that we've built things but we've never actually implemented there's a couple of companies that are sitting there that we've never actually launched yet okay and i, I thought you know it'd be kind of cool to to have a magazine that would get the word out and uh, far and wide if we could if we build up a subscription you know reader base and all that sort of stuff so we launched it on june the first and it's amazingly amount of response we got and we did help it through Blues and Roots Radio because it's a sister site to that really Um, and we've got a a lot of followers and you know obviously a a hell of a lot of listeners on Blues and Roots Radio so it it built up some momentum just in the first four weeks and we're now into the second edition on July 1st there and it's it's going pretty well. Fantastic. It is it's it's a brilliant uh, website presentation as you would expect Uh, thesoundcafe.com is where you can get it, and I think there's a there's a pop up to subscribe. So do subscribe, and you know anybody's listening, thesoundcafe.com. Uh, discover some new music, discover or not discover, rediscover some classic uh, moments in music, and a whole yeah. lot of information. You certainly have done a lot to support musicians and uh, artists all over the world, and uh, we applaud you for that. We do applaud you. I haven't got the applause button at hand, but uh, now we do, and <clears throat> you know. Is for those who don't know, Blues and Rich Radio is probably one of the very few, uh, if not only, genuine, worldly listened online supporter of independent radio. That sounds like a promo, but it's true. Mm. Um, so yeah, you've done very well, Stevie, and it's not gone uh, amiss about how the artists have been supported during COVID. Uh, well, yeah. he's, you, on, you know he's on to his uh, third Ferrari now, you know, know that. He's I making know. a fortune. Yeah. <laughs> I wish. You know, the, the intention is like everybody else that loves music. It, it's never to make a fortune. It's just if we get enough to put some bread on the table, that's fine. And whatever we can do over and above that to help everybody, that's what we do. Um, but the, the most gratifying thing for me is uh, I get to meet people like yourself, Willie, uh-huh. you know, and, and people in Canada who, and, and Mr. Mitchell, of course, as well. <laughs> His <laughs> but, sterling music know, career. That's <laughs> exactly, all four and a half minutes of it. <laughs> I, uh, I, I get a, I don't know, I get a kick, I get a buzz, whatever it is. I love being involved in music, even although I'm not playing it myself. But if I, I can meet people like Stephen Fearing or yeah, a good pal of yours is Richard Flohill, who you oh, met yes, yeah, down legend, in Australia yeah. at Port Ferry. Um, so I, just to be able to sit and chat with these people and get advice from them, I was out with Flohill the other day there, and he gave me a few pointers for the new website, and he said, I've been on it, and I like it, and here's what you maybe could do. And to get that sort of advice from somebody like him, was, it's invaluable. So 
uh, along the way, we've learned a lot, but we're still learning and we're still developing. So, yeah. right, it's kind of cool. So, so with the new website, is is it got like a live stream sort of thing to it as well for musicians to perform, or is it's more like a, like a magazine type? Aye, it's the the idea is for it to be a magazine. It's going to be a like a monthly publication to start with, online publication, right? Um, and just have a series of articles every month. But during the course of the month, articles will be added that are not. There may be a, a bit out the norm, so okay. we've got about six um, features every month that will change every month. Right. But on top of that, every week there might be a couple of articles get posted up that are just about different aspects of music. For instance, just yesterday, an artist here called JP Cormie, a fabulous uh, folk musician, he's a recording uh, well producer and all that. Good friends of Dave Gunning, who you guys probably know from mm. touring down and. Australia. Yep. So J- JP just basically put up a statement on uh, social media that went viral. Over 100,000 people have looked at it so far. Yep. And uh, I approached him and said, look, can we use this and put it up as an article because I think it's really interesting. And people who are touring musicians need to read this because what you've said is, is hit the nail on the head of how the future is for people who are trying to make a living out of music that are independent artists. So, yeah. Um, so if people go to that, look up JP Cormie, it's right on the front page. Yeah. It's a hell of an article that um It's pretty late. It's, it's a virtually laid, it's a laid bare article, that's for sure. I've read it and yeah, uh, and I sent it to or Willie had yeah. read it um yeah. as well. And look it's an interesting uh, approach. I I personally am not involved in, in the music side of things, but of course you are. Yes. Uh, and and for those who haven't read it, do go to the Sound Cafe. Dot com. It's it's a very interesting article, whether you agree with it or not. Yep. And I'm pretty sure you don't wholly agree with it, right? Well, not everything in it, no. Yep. You know, I think uh, it's there's there's a lot of doom and gloom in it for that's, me. You know, and I'm, I mean, and, yeah. and I don't think it's all going to end up that bad. I think we will come back because you know where there's a will, there's a way, and you know, and I think that. Um, Live music will come back. It, 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 I found JP's article, you know, it was very down on the fact that we're never going to get to play in front of people again. That's the sort of thing I was reading in it, you know, and I'm like, nah, I don't think so, you know. But but if you if you go deeper than that, yeah. Willie, um, he's actually saying that musicians need to get a grip of their own destiny and this could happen if you don't get a hold of your own music and do something. Because yeah, well, just yeah. as an example, he's saying somebody's approached him to play a gig for $300. He would normally charge 1000 But yeah. because of the COVID situation, they're at less capacity at the venue. So they've said, you know, you're going to have to work for 80% less than we'd normally pay you. Yes. If, if he takes that gig this time, mm. next year, when they come back to book him, he's going to go. Well, it's actually a thousand dollars this, and they're going to go. No, no, no. You paid. We only paid you three hundred yeah, last I get year. That too. So the the mm. danger. He's just trying to highlight if you if you go along this route, yeah. this could happen. And I think that is pretty. No, it's a very profound. Ap- There's profound a lot of very very valid points in it. And <clears throat> excuse me, one of them also is you know, it's obviously from the perspective of the musician in these tougher times and how we get back to it, but. When the he mentions when the venue offers to pay you thirty percent or whatever it is of your normal fee, but they still want to charge 
everybody 100% of what they normally charge. Yeah. Which, you know, you could argue both sides of that. You know, if, if, the, if the, the place, the, the music venue has only got half the people, of course, they can't charge half the price because... No, but what they should be doing is charging double the price. <laughs> and you know, the really, and paying the artists what they're worth. And the same thing happened That's to you. That's a very good the, point, actually. Yeah, and I think you'd find an awful lot of people would pay it. A, to support, yeah. A, because they want to see live music, and B, they want to support the artists, you know. Yeah. I, I've got a lot of mates doing online concerts at the moment, and they have, you know, uh, you can... You can pay pay as something and watch, or you can watch for free yeah. if you don't have the money. And a lot of people, you know, one for instance, uh, Phil Parra, who's a, a, a famous uh, uh, rock guitarist here in Melbourne, been in the scene for years, brilliant yeah. musician, and he's been doing uh, online concerts with his son, uh, and they do them a couple of times a week, and that's 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 the deal. If you want to tune in and watch the live stream, you can pay whatever you can afford. Yeah. Or you can, if you can't afford anything at the moment because you're struggling and you're one of those poor, unfortunate people who don't have a job anymore and, you know, can't leave the house, all that sort of stuff, then enjoy it and, and get what you can out of it uh, free of charge. And he's finding lots of people are actually donating online more than they would ever pay at a ticket price. Really? On the door. Oh, you know, good. so... So it, he maybe be doing a gig and charging ten bucks on the door, or the venue's charging ten dollars on the door, for instance, and people are joining in online and paying them twenty and thirty dollars. Yeah, because well, that's good. They, they feel they're supporting something. Yep. So right. I think it works both ways. Yeah. No. Yeah, you know. Well, the the like JP says, the audience is there. It's just finding a way at the moment during yes. these times to to reach out and get them and mm. to I don't know channel each artist is different, but to channel them, your supporters into you and what you're doing, and yeah. I think that's a, a great point that you made there as well. That, and especially with the stuff that's been online, if you can monetize that, like you say, that people are mm. donating. If you got a YouTube channel, you get a thousand subscriptions. You can start earning money through advertising as well. Absolutely. Um, yeah. If you've got over a thousand subscribers, so there are a lot of ways that artists can go forward and until everything goes back to kind of whatever they're going to call normal. Well, I think I read yesterday as well, like the, uh, the, like the Scottish government have just uh, given uh, the arts and the music industry £10 million to give it a wee kick along, you know. And, right. Uh, whereas down, in, down south, have, they've done nothing, you know. <laughs> Here in Australia, they've, they've made an effort to... to uh, put some money into the arts industry, but it seems to be very directed at theatre companies and opera houses and not the not the ground roots musicians that that I think need the money. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but I mean I guess those people have lost their jobs and their income as well and they need it. I'm I'm not dissing any part of the arts or the it's all yeah. important. I think the problem comes when the the stimulus, whatever you call it, you guys, Stevie's in Canada, they call it mm. furlough payments. We call it job keeper payments or whatever yeah. it is. The problem starts when that ends. Yeah, that's when the, you know, the so, shit really has to fight. <laughs> well, that's it. That's yeah. that's going to be survival of the smartest, not the fittest or the yeah. best. And 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 one of the reasons that you know, want Stevie on to talk about this is from a, that perspective of what they see from artists who are fully dependent upon gigs, fully dependent upon promotion uh, and things like that. Because I raised the question. 
what do we need to do different? What's what's the innovative things going forward? Mm. And we won't see that until the the payments stop. Yeah. You know, so will venues survive? See, will a lot of musicians don't even qualify for those payments. Well, that's the that's, problem, you know, because they don't issue. have a full-time job. It's, or it, their, their job's not considered full-time employment. Yep. You know, it's very piecemeal. It's uh, two gigs this week, and you know, one gig next week. It's all over well, the place. The other, mm. the other thing, Willie, is, as well is that, well, it's probably the same in Australia. Artists put up a perception of who they are. They are a full-time rock star or a full-time mm. folk star or whatever it is. The reality is that most of them have got two or three jobs to try and sustain their living to go out and tour. Aye. And because the, they're, they're trying to claim this, what we call a relief fund payment that artists are qualifying for, unless you, they can actually prove that they're a touring artist and that's all, all they do, mm. they don't get paid because... You know, well, you were a, you were serving in a bar, you were working at a restaurant, and I'm not, um, you know, these people have to do that because Absolutely. the prices similar to Melbourne and Vancouver and all the big cities, artists can't afford to pay rent uh, for the money that they're making touring, no. so they have to have a, a, a second income to to do all that. I understand that, but that then has disqualified them from getting this payment that the government's handed out to yeah. the guys at the top that are being the full time tour. So, yeah, uh, it's a it's a double-edged sword, really. It it's, really a, is. it's a terrible situation. Yeah. And the more you, you try and bolt on who's affected by this, it, it just, you know, even down to, you know, the, the, the person washing the plates from the live music venue that serves food to the companies that supply oh, yeah. them, the, the, make a bloody head say. fall off, you know? Yeah, absolutely. But, but anyway, we're going to try and be positive about this. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think, I mean, personally... You know, we'll come out the other end of this, and we will. the whole thing about <laughs> well, <my. laughs> blues and roots radio, sound cafe. It was all set up to try and you know just raise awareness and yeah. get people to read about these artists that are maybe not out gigging because um, that's the thing they've got to produce stuff every week or every couple of weeks so that people know that they're still out there. Yeah. So. Sound, Sound Cafe set up to try and just get that word out to the people that we can. And we can only do so much. We can't do everything for everybody. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, my inbox on the Sound Cafe is just like blown up when we said that we were going to launch this magazine because we're getting submissions from all over the place, which is brilliant. But um, we can only do so much. Yes. And we know that there are other outlets, there's other magazines that are doing the same as us. So. The, the more we do for everybody, then the better, and we'll be back to getting out there and gigging and playing again, which is, is great. Getting back to festivals. That's it, you know, putting, what is it, what's the analogy? I musicians, you know, they, they put $50,000 worth of equipment into a, a $4,000 car, drive for six hours. <laughs> To play a gig for a hundred dollars, yeah, you know, it doesn't need to get any worse, does it? No, so uh, yeah. and it was going getting back to the, the what JP was saying about um, you know venues offering them three hundred dollars, whereas normal fees a thousand dollars. There was a I think it was a hotel chain in South Australia. One of the managers had this bright idea to to send an email out to all the musicians who normally yes. normally play in their pubs and clubs. Saying, oh, look, we'd love to have you all back because we can get, you know, 50 people in there now, but we can't pay you, so we're going to give you a beer and, and a meal. Yeah. 
And I mean, it's just, it's an insult, it really, is. you know. You, you, you wouldn't phone the emergency plumber and say, oh, look, there's sewage pissing all over my lounge room, you know. Can you come out? And there's a, a nice cup of tea and a dippy biscuit in it for you. Yeah. You know, and the guy's going to turn up. It's just... You know, it is. And, and look, that is the gist of, of JP's uh, article, the, the article that you, you put up, Stevie. And I guess everybody has to be careful what you accept. And this has been around forever. I remember the musicians' union in the UK, mm. right, that said, don't accept any less. And, and for years and years and years, the more as more and more people have got involved in music at the performing level, because it is uh, easier today than it's than it's ever been. Yep. But over the years, and, and there's been an, an ongoing criticism mm. of, well, you shouldn't take that much money or you shouldn't play for whatever. And... Um, you know, it's it's a difficult argument to win. You know, to say you, a, a blanket statement of "don't accept any less than you would normally get" isn't going to work. No, but I, I see the reason for trying to do that. Trying to, I mean, yeah, I, I think I don't. I'd like to think the guy wasn't a pulling a shifty. Let's get free musicians. I think he probably thought he was helping, you know. And there's musicians with no money and they can't feed themselves, and they probably want a few beers. Yeah, I get that, but it's it can also be insulting yeah. as well. You Look, know? it is because they're, they're not allowed to pay their um, waiting staff or their kitchen staff less than the minimum wage, right? They're right. not allowed to say, "Come back to work, and I'll give you fifty percent." Yeah, you know. So there's a very good argument hmm. there for the musicians to say, "Well." You know, what do you want me to do? And, and, it's also and then and on the other side is, well, I'm only earning this much money. If I'm unlucky, I'll make some money tonight. Uh, but why does the musician have to be the victim here? Yeah, and you know? and, and they're the reason people are coming to the venue well, that's... On, on, on a big way. I, it's the same way, uh, like young musicians and young talent, and they're desperate for gigs and they've never yep. done it. And the only way you can get experience is get out there and do it. But nobody's going to pay them because they're they're not bringing a crowd in. So these young kids yeah. are are taking gigs for nothing. All they want to do is play, and I can understand that too. But there's also the part of me that says, "Don't bastardize the industry by doing all these shows for nothing." Because the guys who need to make a living out of it. Yeah, exactly. You know. Yep. Yeah, well, well, I know you're a, um, a bit of a hero in that space because the last time I saw Claymore, there was two young kids that were probably about fourteen or fifteen years old. Yep. And yeah. uh, Claymore have been ongoing supporters of yeah. you know when you you'll have a couple of guests. We don't call them supports. We call yeah. them guests. Yeah, uh, we normally get old has-beens like Eric Bogle and yeah. people like that. You know. <laughs> <laughs> back to the do's, Eric Bogle just bought himself a dovecote. Nee, never. A self-assembled dovecote <laughs> online and put it up. And So he must be a pigeon fan. There you go. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> there you go. I'll tell you yeah. what, He's ready for again, his flat going cap. Back, going back to you know, how lucky am I working in music and stuff like that. When we were down in Lorient at the festival, I was introduced to Eric, who comes yeah. from Peebles, which is my, like, hometown if you like from the borders yep and i had a, a really interesting conversation about because uh, he can be a bit of a doer guy a doer you need to explain really? that one <laughs> <A bit> doer. <laughs> serious <laughs> so God, i it. had a pint with him which um and i said to him so 
when was the last time you were back in, in Peebles, you know? And he says, son, I've been in Australia for 40 years and I'm Australian. I'm no, everybody says, you know, it's a guy from Peebles. He says, but I'm Australian. And that's kind of like, it's taken me about eight or nine years to get that feeling about uh, being in Canada. I consider myself more Canadian now than I do Scottish. Because right. uh, when I go home, people treat me like a stranger. And okay. when I'm here, it's, it's the same sort of thing. I'm, I'm like this Scottish guy uh, who's pretending to be Canadian. But uh, a friend of mine, James Clark Jones, wrote a song called Stranger in the Homeland. He's from Airdrie originally. Yep. And uh, he, he has exactly the same feelings when he goes back home. People kind of treat you as not one of the, their own because, well, you're that guy that you know you you're that exotic guy that went yeah, across that, to that, that other country off, you know yeah. and you're you're just visiting so you're not really part of us anymore yeah, that's and, it's a strange feeling yeah i get a wee bit of that but i think i'm still more scottish than australian i'm 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 a diehard you know and <laughs> it's very easy to retain your scottishness or irishness um, in Melbourne, especially where we live in, in this area yeah. in the southeast, right? We both live in the similar parts of um, Melbourne because there is a lot of um, European, absolutely, uh, including yeah. British, English, you know, Scottish. Which we touched on earlier, it's, it's very multicultural, and that's what yeah. I love about Melbourne as well. You know, and, and I mean, Glasgow is a very multicultural city. I think most you know, places are. Most places now, are they? these days, yeah. And uh, well, it's. I, Sorry, Willie. No, go for it. No, I'm saying I, I kind of blend in until the sun comes out and I take I put a <laughs> pair of shorts on and then I'm the blue guy. And I'm like, He's Scottish. Who's the, the pale blue guy? Yeah, <laughs> us too. Yeah, a pale blue tinge. You know. But yes. It's. Uh, I mean, I, I like I go home and and my family say I. Uh, I go straight back into being a Ouija and, you know, and they're... <laughs> a Ouija. You don't sound any different. And, it, like, they've always expected me to get on the phone when I, I on the rare occasion that I phone home and go, Agonai, yeah, it's beautiful out here in Australia. <laughs> you know, and I, I just don't sound like that, you know. And neither do my kids. So, you know, it's... And I've always been involved with uh, Celtic music and culture since day one when I came to Australia and I think yeah. that's what makes me still think that way so I've always been heavily involved with, with the piping scene, the dance the Scottish dancing scene the yeah. you know, the Celtic music scene the festival scene, so I, I guess I, don't get me wrong, I love Australia and it's my home, but as you were mentioning a song earlier, I, I wrote a very similar song, you know, called Home yes. and it's about being an immigrant, you know you come to Australia. I came to Australia, and I, I'd realised at one point I'd actually lived half my life in Scotland and exactly half my life in Australia. It was a couple of years back, and uh, I, I don't feel one hundred percent that I belong here. And I go home, and I don't feel one hundred percent that I belong yep. there anymore. Well, totally so you're kind of you're kind of trapped in this uh, never-ending like conundrum. No, and it's a beautiful song, and uh, and mm. we're going to we're going to play out with it. That's what we're going to do. Oh, are we? We are. Oh, yes, yes. because it is. Let's uh, three Scotsmen here chewing the fat, and uh, I know I know chewing the cud, chewing the cud. <laughs> yeah. So maybe we should do an episode. Oh, hang on! Oh. I've got the wrong button ready. You pressed the wrong button. But, uh, chewing the cud. 
There you go. <laughs> I'll edit that. No, I won't. No, Actually, yeah. it's interesting. We haven't edited any of the, the shows. So well done, Willie, for not... For not <laughs> being too offensive. And, uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, that's that's the idea of this podcast. And look, so I, I know it's been a bit... Um, we have a good silly time, but I was very keen to have this conversation around the the, the musicians and where it's at and where it's going. And, and, and we're going to keep our finger on the pulse. You've obviously got... Your, yep. your finger in the pies, not mm. only on the and pulse. As a Stevie, yeah. As a Stevie, yeah. so he, he can see it from an artist's point of view. And uh, and, and don't forget as well, you know, the, the what uh, Stevie does with Blues and Roots Radio, they were fully affected by um, COVID as right. well. You know, because with the Boreal PR, um, which which does promotional services for artists. Touring artists, yeah. S- mm. Yeah, touring artists, uh, releasing um, songs, you know, Albums, Boreal yeah. PR. Mm. That's, uh, yeah. that, that, that was pretty much decimated overnight, right? Yeah, pretty much so. There's uh, Everybody held back their releases. Uh, we had yeah. clients that were going to, you know, going on tour and they were they wanting music out to radio, which, you know, that's part of, main part of what Boreal's all about, getting mm. the music out to the radio stations. And uh, that just stopped because everybody said... Uh, we're not going to do that until maybe July, and then July became September, and so yeah, no, it uh, looks like it's, it's next uh, year. It's next year. There's <laughs> yeah. no doubt about that. Yeah, I, I think yeah, it's going sure. to be next year. Yeah. Uh, Definitely before we. Uh, I think this has been the most serious podcast we've done. It's the only serious podcast yeah. we've done. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, let's start talking crap. Correct. <laughs> let's talk cake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's uh, so anything exciting happened this weekend, Mr. Mitchell? Uh, not this weekend, really. I'm like I say, I was uh, oh, getting back to the serious stuff. Doing a yeah. COVID test was very, very exciting. So you were probed, I was probed straight up my <laughs> nostril, right in the top of my head. <laughs> Jesus Christ, I tell you when what, you hear, the, when you hear the snap of the, the latex glove, it's terrifying sound to, to a man. <laughs> <laughs> no, for those listening, it's not that bad. Everyone should do it at least once. <laughs> what about yourself, mate? What's uh, uh, what's been going on? Well, I spent yesterday. I spent most of yesterday cooking. Oh, and, you know, as 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 is my want. I don't know. I find I find I find cooking really relaxing. Uh, my wife uh, hates it because I'm <laughs> I'm the messiest bugger in the kitchen you've ever met in your life. <laughs> Actually, uh, last week I was talking to a, a friend of mine, uh, Giovanna, who's uh, actually a, a she's a TV and a movie director. Oh, and it looks like I've got a part in a movie. Oh, uh, well done, next mate. year. So, really? but we'll keep we'll keep that for another episode. <laughs> Is uh, it a, a movie about food? You, no, the chef? no, no. But while we were talking about the movie, she says, we should do a cooking show. <laughs> and I thought, no, no. we shouldn't. <laughs> well, maybe you should. I've seen yeah. your uh, cooking yeah, efforts. I've been, uh, last, I, was, I, was, uh, I was doing spicy meatballs last night, and then I did some cooking. <laughs> 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 yeah. So, uh, <laughs> they wouldn't have a hairnet big enough for you to put on for a cooking show, mate. Well, that's true, that's, uh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, well, the, the, who's that young Aussie chef that's on online at the moment? And he swears a lot. He does. It's like a heavy metal cooking show. Oh really? You know, oh yeah. <laughs> I'll I'll look him up and we'll we'll find out what his name is and and we'll. we'll it's let priceless. It. Priceless. It's brilliant. <laughs> you know, get your. Fucking minced beef, <laughs> chuck it in the pot. You know, this is your, your bangers and slash. Yeah. Ah. Yeah. No, so yeah, I've, I've been I've been doing a fair bit of cooking and uh, 
good. Mrs. Mitchell was doing that yesterday, and what she thing? sounds exactly the same as you. For the three pots of food, there's three billion dishes get used. Well, that's it. That's what Catherine says. Do you have to use <laughs> every a, single every plate, utensil? Saucer. And, yeah. <laughs> I says, well, there's no point in buying these things if you're not going to use them. <laughs> <laughs> but not all at the same they time, have right? To get an airing. <laughs> Do you cook much, Stevie? You. Absolutely not. I was brought up in a, a household where my mum did all the cooking, yep. and there was three boys and a, and my dad, and uh, we just we got it served up to us and right. the old traditional meat and potatoes. And so when I when I came over here, Anne's a really good cook. Right. Um, I, I, she's been trying to coach me, and but nah, nah, nah uh, right. I just I just phone up and order something. Then. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, that's turned into a big thing, isn't it? You know. Uber Eats and all that kind of stuff, you know. We, you know, one of the things that we haven't done, which seems to be against the norm since all this crap started, we haven't ordered any uh, takeaway home delivery. Nothing. Right, okay. Nothing. So how are the beans and toast going then? <laughs> <laughs> it's beans and, beans and sausages in a can. Oh my God. Yes. Which reminds me. Yeah. Now, we, we were talking about salt and vinegar last week. Right. Now, I heard something here that I've never heard of before in... Um, hang on a second, let me just set up this. In Embra, <laughs> enough of that. Um, it's not salt and vinegar, it is Stevie. Salt and sauce, salt and brown sauce. Have you yeah. heard of that on your chips? Aye. Salt and brown sauce. Brown sauce, definitely. And there was a specific brand of sauce for chippies as well, chip sauce. The really? brown, yeah. All oh, right, must be, must be a Ouija and an Embra yeah, thing. Yeah, then. it is, yeah. You know. The old rivalry, the, you know, they've got they've got the, the old rivalry in Glasgow between the you know Celtic Rangers, and then they've got the West Coast East Coast rivalry with Glasgow and Edinburgh, you know, and Dundee. Just they just keep twiddling their thumbs and thinking they're the only, <laughs> only, we're the only people going to heaven. Dundonians. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I, I cannot remember brown sauce from a chip shop. Oh. I, I, mean, I know HP sauce, I know brown sauce, but. I never remember it being a staple. Do you want salt and vinegar or do you want salt and sauce? You know, and here's, here's the chef in me coming out again. Go on. The brown sauce and chips, it's very vinegar based. So basically it is... They make their own, right? Thick brown vinegar. <laughs> <laughs> it's brown vinegar with all the grease and fat that dripped out the bottom of the tree. Oh my Just to God. thicken it up a bit. Just eh, to, uh, put a bit of thickness in it. Was, you know, like Scottish people... To find out people's religion, you know, like what team do you support or whatever, and to find out what set, city you come from, are you like vinegar or brown sauce? All ah, right, so right. vinegar, right. you're, you go. you're a Ouija. <laughs> <laughs> Ouija's, Embras, and, and Dundonians. And then they threw in curry sauce just to confuse people. Oh, curry know. sauce and chips, yeah, that's See, uh, liquid gold, eh? Yeah, oh, my <laughs> goodness me. Like you go at the Chinese or the Indian takeaway, and, and like in Scotland, and I think all over the UK, and they all sell chips. Everything yep. comes with chips, you know. You go anywhere else in the world, <laughs> chips, chips with a Chinese <laughs> meal. <laughs> yeah. I know, I, I know a guy who's uh, he, he used to say to people, oh. Of Chinese, oh, at least twice a week. Chinese. Oh, what do you have? Sausages and gravy. That's, <laughs> that's true. I swear to God, that's true. I've, I've got a mate who would have a Chinese meal, and he would get a bottle of tomato uh, sauce ketchup uh, and stick it all over the top of his Chinese meal. Yeah. I know. 
Oh, no. And we were talking about that last week. Too. It's, it's the same thing with salt. You, you go into a restaurant or you, or you cook a meal for some. You're having a dinner party or whatever you're doing. A dinner party. Oh yes. 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 We're having uh, we're having Scottish pies with beans. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and before they've even tasted the food, they're putting salt on it. You know, it's crazy. It is absolutely crazy. Yeah. Uh, good old Scottish diet. That's what we like. Yes, Not. that's why we've all travelled the world to get away from the food. That's why we that's moved. Right. <laughs> I can't stand another deep fried. No more. <laughs> no more. My arteries can't take it. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I'm still. I'm still trying to find somewhere that I can play my bagpipes and nobody's going to leave. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so, is it, so do you still play a lot? Do you, like, would you get them out every day or not quite as often nah. as that? No. Nah, I, I've not got anywhere to, because they're so loud. I used to go into the park. When I first came here, there's a, a big park behind us on the lake. Aye. And I would go there in the afternoon just for a, a couple of hours and, and play. And it would that's what gave me the idea to go busking, is because <laughs> right. it would, uh, the people would come and go, what the hell is this guy doing? Yeah. <laughs> and I thought, well, if I put a hat down, they might throw some money in. And, right. uh, and they did. So I, I used to go out and play a couple of hours every day, but uh, I, I'm just so busy now with the business yep. that I have no time to practice. And I'm one of these people that if I'm if I'm not at the top of my game, I didn't really want to play in front of somebody because I know okay, yeah. that I'm not going to be playing at my best. And I'm getting on a wee bit now, and there's a lot of great young pipers out there that are just ripping it up all over the place. And I, I just I've, I've gone into... Uh, retirement mode, if you like, and okay. I, I play for fun in the house. I've got a set of electronic pipes, actually. They're yeah. made in Germany. A set of Digger uh, electronic pipes, yeah. and I, I sit and put them through an amp every now and again. If we have a dinner party here, I'll uh, yeah. I'll get the electronic pipes out and give them a wee oh, bash. I, should, but, uh, I thought that we could have got you doing the electronic pipes. That would have been a yeah, uh, damn. All right. Grant, have, uh, Grant our piper in the back, he's got, yeah, he's, got he's got a set of electronic so pipes. And often, now and again, we use them because you can play in different keys. Yeah. So you can actually play in E. You can and play you a can, different pipe You sounds. can play in D, you know what I mean? And rather than using lowland pipes or small pipes or, you know, to get a different key, yeah. you can have that highland pipe sound, but. Change key. the key because a lot of people don't realise the pipes play in one key, and it's not the most accommodating. I know. That's why when you see John John Farnham, you're the voice, and these twelve pipers come out, and it's yeah. played perfectly in D, A, and G, whatever. And you go, Nah, that's no, no pipes. Yeah, a long way to the top too. They, yes. they actually, uh, when they recorded that song, ACDC is probably one of the most famous songs. Yeah. They, they played they played to a tape machine and then they just sped up the tape to change the key yep. so as it would work in with the band so i said yeah. very first very first recording i did was um castle sound in edinburgh the recording studio mm-hmm. and uh, i was brought in i was about 20 or something i had no idea what a recording studio was until i walked in and went oh Oh God! What am I going to do? And, uh, <laughs> they asked me to play all this fancy stuff behind a recording of a rock band, yep. and it wasn't in the right key. And I'm like, "What do I do?" You know. So I had to go away into another room, rearrange all the stuff that sounded nothing like what I'd already rehearsed to go in and do. Yeah. And the rock guys are going, "This is 
crazy. You know, it's, yeah. You're on B flat, A minor, and that's all you can do. What are you talking about? But that <laughs> yeah, that's it. it. Yeah. yeah. We've, we've been invited to lots. We get invited to do a gig uh, with a, a brass band, and they wanted to do an arrangement of John Farnham's You're the Voice. There you go. And yeah. we were like, oh, no, no again, you know. <laughs> and it was all kids in this brass band, and we got there, and the conductor says, okay, we're playing this in, in E. And I'm saying, no, we're no, no. no. <laughs> he says, what do you mean? I says, well, if you want the bagpipes, which is why you've got us here, we ain't playing an E. Yep. You know, we're in B flat. Yep. Here we go. And I says, you need to get the, the band to transpose because we can't tune to you guys. And, uh, of course, it was impossible. So it just fell through, you know. But yeah. A, a, a lot of, it's funny how, I, I, actually, a lot of really serious and high high-up musicians don't know that fact. No. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, I, I was involved in the Edinburgh military tattoo a number of years ago, in the mm. 1990s, 96, I think it was. Um, and that was a fantastic experience because all the army um, musicians who were playing the horns and all that sort of stuff, they already had experience of playing with the army bagpipers. Yeah. So everything that we played with them was always – that they had already transposed it. They gave us the sheet music for it, and there you go, it's in B-flat, and we're going to play along with you. And I thought, this is brilliant, you know? Yeah. Absolutely. Some of the uh, army musicians, service musicians, whether it be Army, RAF, or even I played with some marine bands for the USA, mm-hmm. there are, they are top-class musicians. Oh, and absolutely. they write the stuff out, they understand uh, bagpipes, which I found incredible because nobody <laughs> in Scotland understands bagpipes. <laughs> <laughs> it, it really is a subculture, the piping world. I think. Definitely, you know. I mean, it's uh, and it can it takes over your life. You know, you get you, once you're in it, you're in it. You know, and it's uh, I mean, it's great. I don't get me. I love it, but um, yeah. the, 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 the rivalry between bands, you know, is just. <laughs> it's unbelievable, and so that's the, I guess that's the one negative thing I would say about the pipe band world. That, that it's all about your band, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you know, it's uh, that's the impression I get, you know, and that, and they're all it's all secret stuff. Don't let them know what we're going to be playing, and you know, it's, <laughs> yeah. rather it's than saying, intense. "Oh, there's young I, kids in that band, let's help them as well," and there's, you know. Old, old, older papers like your, yourself, Stevie. You know, I mean, would you, would if you were back home and and still in that world, would would you be going to lots of other bands and helping them, or would you stick to your band that you'd always been with? And how how nah, would that I, work? I actually I used to be the pipe major of the West Linton Village Pipe mm. Band uh, before I came to Canada, and it was it, it was on its way out. You know, there, there wasn't enough pipers in the village to keep it going. It was it was going to end up like a lot of the uh, mining bands. You know, like once the mining industry went downhill, yeah, all the brass a lot bands, of the pipe, yeah. aye, and a lot of the pipe bands were uh, like Moncton Hall Colliery and just outside Edinburgh, and, um, and I suppose Glasgow as well had all these mining bands, but they were subsidised, or you know, the the equipment was bought by the mine, yeah, and so that that allowed them. To, to carry on and they used to teach kids and so I got I mean the reason I'll get you a little back history my dad used to play for Shots and Dyke Head which mm. is like a world champion multi-world championship pipe band it's always been in his blood so he like when I was 10 years old I used to march down the street in front of the band with the trophies and uh, that's how I got involved and I got the bug and then I got 
given a chanter when I was about eight. Mm. I was playing by 12, and then that's how I got involved. But it is in your blood, and yeah. there is very much, you're either a shots guy, or you're a Glasgow police guy, yeah. or you're an Edinburgh <laughs> police guy, yeah. and, they, and they all... I mean, I'm, I'm not saying they didn't like each other, but they're like, oh, you know, he's a shots guy. Yeah. Uh, he's, he's a Polish guy. Yeah, right. yeah. It's, <laughs> it's either Ford or Vauxhall. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> Never the twain shall meet. Never, yeah. yes. But my, my dad used to do a lot of great work with the youth, and uh, we built the, the village band up to have about 20 pipers that were all between the ages of 8-year-old and 16-year-old. Mm. And we ma- managed to bring them back, and they're still going. Okay. Uh, but a lot of them who are playing now were taught by my dad. My dad used to teach the band, the mm. youngsters, and then feed them into the band that we would go out and play in competitions with. Right. So I did like that part of it. I, I did like the teaching part of it. Mm. And uh, by my, my dad was a good one for giving back. He was always a, a youth, you know, let's let's teach the young kids. Yeah. We love teaching kids. Now that's it. It's, uh, it's true. What you give out, you get back tenfold. Yeah. Aye, and it's the same with everything, eh? For yeah. what, uh, like what you do in, in music, if you if you get asked to do something and you do it, uh, if it helps somebody, then let's do it. And let's do it. At some point down the line, that'll come back at you, won't it? It will. Absolutely. Oh, look, that's probably a good uh, a good point to finish on, I think. It is. Yeah, Stevie, it's been very interesting. Thanks very much for uh, taking the time on a Saturday night there in Canada in 30-odd degrees. You lucky bastard. <laughs> he's got a wee red rosy face as well I know that's either know. the sunshine or, or five pints of beer I don't know <laughs> I reckon if he lifted that t-shirt arm would see the pale blue mark uh, he'd have the tide mark I reckon <laughs> nah Stevie it's appreciated it's good to talk to you and thanks for um, thanks for being my first guest for being my first under. guest well done and good luck uh, well, with uh, every really- Everything at Blues and really Radio. It, the the, the soundcafe.com is a must go to um, for people around the world. Check it's some great articles in there. And and look, we only mentioned the one and we didn't want to sort of hang just on that. There's a lot of good information for artists and for people who are into their music. So well done, good luck, and uh, I'll no doubt we'll uh, we'll speak sometime soon. You enjoy the rest of your evening. Have All a good right. one. Thanks guys. It's a great pl- pleasure to be on here with you. No, it was it was bra. Bra, right enough. I should finish with the Ember gun, but I've not got it set up. Yeah, All right, Stevie, yeah. we'll talk to you very soon, mate. Cheerio, pal. Cheers, pal. There you go, Willie, our first guest. That was amazing, yeah. Yeah, there you go. Yes. All the way from Canada. All the way from Canada. It sounded like he was just up the road. Yeah, it yeah. does. Yeah, uh-huh. Look, he's still talking there, and we're, we've got him switched off. That's right. We're looking at him on video. I know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's, got, <laughs> he's got a glaikit look on his face. <laughs> That's it. We're doing the same. We're now doing sign language for all of you people at home. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, there you go, Willie. As you said, that was a bit of a serious. Well, it wasn't nice. Yeah, it wasn't too serious. It was I, good fun. I, I want to get some information out, sort of, from the musicians' point of view and to the musicians, if you like. So, yeah, if we can do a wee bit of that, and uh, you know, we'll continue to be. And if, if 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 you're out there and you're listening and you think there's something we could uh, be having a wee conversation around. Absolutely. No, get Drop in us a line, get in touch. Definitely. Facebook, Dune Under Dune something. Dune Under, that's it. You'll yeah. find it. D-O-O-N. Got to remember that. All right. And same on Twitter. Yeah. And I did Google it all the other day and it works. So if you put D-O-O-N and then Under and for extra security you can put with Willie and Neil. That's it. And then you'll find us and... Uh... Yeah, listen in, subscribe and do what, do what you've been doing. So, yeah. 
Thanks, pal. It's good to see you. You too. Covid-free. Covid-free. And happy. And toodle-pip till next time. All the best, pal. And what's said, we're going to play out with home. And we will. This is Claymore and Willie's song about his half-life over there and half-life over here. We'll speak to you in episode five, mate. Cheers. Cheers, pal. Bye. I get a feeling sometimes when I look to the west. It's a call from the heart to a place in my head. A place in my past at this present time. I call it home. I call it home. And I wonder how many must feel the same way when they're so far from home. But can go there each day In their heads, in their hearts In their thoughts, in their minds In their souls It's called home I've spent half my life here Half my life there With my eyes closed I can go anywhere Anywhere in this world That I choose to be and the place that I choose is called home The place I choose is home Oh